Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation Morning Podcast Edition. My name is Brian Giardo, and we decided to do this podcast here on, on 24-7 Sports, uh, maybe for the person in the morning that, that's getting up and, and maybe doesn't have time to read our, our articles during the day. Um, if you follow us on Facebook, on, on Pittsburgh Steelers, on 24-7 Sports, we try to, throughout the day, uh, update our fans on everything that's going on uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you, if you followed our website, you know there's just so much going on, uh, even in the off season. It really honestly doesn't feel like uh, we've had much of an off offseason. Uh, the, the team uh, seems like they're they're just as busy now as they were during the season with all of the, the interviews with draft prospects to the free agent news to the crazy retirement uh, of Keith Miller a few weeks back. So every now and then uh, during uh, the off season, maybe even during the season, we're going to start doing a morning podcast for you. So, you know, if you don't have time to, uh, to really uh, find out what's going on uh, constantly with regard to the Steelers and the news surrounding the team, we hope that you use this podcast as a chance to, heck, maybe it's, it's listening to this during your morning workout or maybe during your morning commute or uh, maybe you're in the cubicle and the boss isn't looking. But but that's kind of what the, the purpose of this is, and we hope you enjoy it. Let's start with talking about uh, some of the big news on March 1st, on Tuesday. Uh, James Harrison went on ESPN and talked to Hannah Storm about uh, his plans for the upcoming offseason. If you followed this story, uh, rumors circulated pretty quickly after the season that Harrison was going to come back for a 14th season and 13th year with the Steelers. It was his agent that kind of started the fire. They said that uh, we intend – uh, for James to finish his two-year contract with the Steelers, which means that he's going to come back next year as he signed that contract prior to the 2015 season when he came out of retirement to join the Steelers midway through the 2014 campaign. Well, Harrison obviously uh, kind of wanted to dispute those rumors uh, quickly after that, that that you know pretty much hit hit the media, including this website. You know, when you hear an agent say, you know, we intend for our client to uh, you know play out his contract, that he's going to come back next year. So. This website included jumped on that story and said, well, Harrison's going to come back. Uh, Harrison pumped the brakes on that and said that, well, he does intend to honor his two-year contract. He's not sure if he's going to be physically able to. Uh, Harrison's going to go to Arizona. He's going to spend the next six weeks out there training uh, starting on March 13th, so about a week and a half, two weeks from now. He's going to go out there, and as his words, by the end of April, which is about when this, uh, the 2016 draft is going to take place, he'll know his future. He'll know whether he'll be able to return. Physically, if his body can't do it, he won't. This is an exact quote from Harrison on uh, ESPN earlier today. I haven't decided to come back and play. I've decided to go out to Arizona on March 13th and see if I can get back to where I need to be. And I'm able to be 100% and give my team and the organization my full effort. If I can't do that when I come back at the end of April, I'll retire and I'll walk away. If I can, I'll continue. But I'll let those six weeks decide what happens, and after that, we'll see. And that's unquote from James Harrison. So uh, that's where we're at right now. And he also mentioned something funny, that while one of his sons, his oldest son, wants him to come back, his younger son is six, doesn't want him to just from the standpoint that he likes having his dad around and he hopes that, that he'll have more time with his dad. Uh, if he decides to hang him up. But regardless, good that, that James is up front with this and that he even he even had to correct Candace Storm, who she started the interview by asking him, you know, why did you decide to come back? And he said, I, I haven't. So those rumors were out there. And, again, when, when your agent says that your his client hopes to honor his contract or will honor his contract, you, you just assume that, that he's going to come back. But, you know, James uh, is someone that won't play if he if he can't give it 100% or his, his 100%. He's not going to give you the – 
you know, 16 sacks he gave you in 2008. That's just not James Harrison at 37, 38 years old. But he can still give the team a lot of uh, tangibles and intangibles. He went on in the interview to say that he can still offer leadership to the younger linebackers that he shares time with. The Steelers do an outside linebacker rotation led by uh, Coach Joey Porter. Um, he also added, I can still play. You know, he can still play the game. The guy had five sacks last year, but he had two sacks in uh, the Steelers' playoff run last year. He had a sack in each of the playoff games and had a sack on Peyton Manning there. So this is a guy that certainly looked like he still had enough gas left in the tank. He averaged almost 40 snaps a season last uh, last year. And I think the other thing, too, is the guy has that championship pedigree. Uh, his weight room uh, conditioning and his lifting is legendary. And the guy knows what it takes to be a true professional in the NFL and the guy knows he knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl. He's done it twice, and he's been to a third one. So, you know, this is a guy that, that definitely brings value to the team. He comes at a pretty nice price tag. He's not raking in tons of money. So I think for the Steelers, hopefully he can come back next year and doesn't follow Heath Miller uh, out the door and into retirement. Uh, the other thing that happened on March 1st, on Tuesday, was uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, uh, posted on uh, several of his social media accounts, one of them being Twitter the other one being Instagram, of his first run, November the 1st, when he suffered the torn MCL. He uh, posted 10 seconds of his 23-minute run that he had today with the Steelers running backs coach looking on, and that's definitely a good sign for the Steelers because it came out earlier in the month that uh, Le'Veon Bell had not resumed running uh, after his injury, which I don't think it is a huge cause for concern. Uh, they normally say a serious knee injury like the one he suffered, ACL, MCL tears. It takes anywhere from six months to a year to fully recover. Uh, given technology and given that the Steelers are getting, you know, top-tier medical attention and treatment, normally I would say it should be more. It should be definitely closer than the six-month realm. Remember, Rod Woodson uh, suffered a grueling knee injury in Week One of the Steelers' '95 season and played in the Super Bowl. You know what? Four months later, five months later, so it, it can't happen. And uh, you know, in comparison, Kelvin Beecham who suffered a torn uh, ACL uh, two weeks earlier in the season than when Le'Veon suffered his knee injury, he reported during Super Bowl week that he had already uh, begun running. So uh, I think, you know, that maybe causes some level of concern. And then especially last week at the NFL Combine, Kevin Colbert said in his media statements that uh, he was, a little, you know, they were going to let Le'Veon come back at his pace. They weren't sure when he was going to come back and whether or not he was going to be back for the start of the season because, he hadn't started running yet, so they couldn't evaluate anything. You know, when you evaluate whether or not a player can come back, you have to start at some place. But he hadn't start, started to come back yet. Uh, 20, I, I've actually done long-distance running before. I've done eight or nine marathons. So for your first run to be 23 minutes is actually pretty impressive. That shows me that, that Le'Veon has honestly probably done some running before now, but because he wasn't cleared, he, um, he probably just didn't announce it. But, uh, you know, I would say that, that, I don't know, for your first run to be 23 minutes, even though it was probably not at a, a blazing pace, that's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive that, that he was able to do that. So that should be a very encouraging sign. It wasn't a five-minute run or a two-minute run or he did a quarter mile and didn't feel good. If you're running 23 minutes, even if that included a little bit of walking, you still probably at least got two, two-and-a-half miles in during that pace. So definitely a good sign for the Steelers that, that Le'Veon Bell uh, is back. Something else to discuss is the NFL prospects. Um, if you follow our website throughout the week, we tried to update you as soon as we found out who the Steelers were meeting. And that's kind of the cool part about the NFL Combine. I think a lot of people 
me included, uh, in the past, I used to think that the combine was really mostly just to check the, the four, 40 times and to check, uh, you know, how they do in all their drills, the catching drills and the shuttle drills and all that other stuff. But, but no, honestly, I think that's just a little part of what the combine week is all about. Uh, you know, really, if you looked at the, this past week, you know, I think the combine can, can, can tell you a few other things about your team. A, uh, who they might draft, not just the player, but the position. I mean, the Steelers talked to a, a guard, um, Josh Garnett from Stanford, at the NFL combine. So that tells you that, okay, well, if they're drafting guard, or if they're interviewing the guard, that probably tells you they're going to want to draft the guard at some point in the draft. Uh, Garnett is slated to fall somewhere between the second, third, fourth round. So, so, so early tier rounds. That kind of tells you where the Steelers are considering potentially drafting a player. If they weren't thinking about drafting a lineman that high, they wouldn't have talked to Garnett. So that kind of uh, shows you uh, where the Steelers might be heading in the draft. They also talked to uh, USC linebacker uh, Sua Cravens, who also maybe played safety. Uh, he played safety his freshman year, and, and people think he could be a tweener. Um, so it shows you, A, who they're interested in, and B, where they might uh, look to draft. And when you really look at and who they might get rid of, I obviously – if they're looking at a guard early-ish in the draft, that might uh, tell you that Ramon Foster, who's an unrestricted free agent, might be heading out the door. So that's something just to think about as well. So a couple of players of note, obviously with, with Heath Miller gone, um, the Steelers talked to Austin Hooper, the tight end out of Stanford. Um, this is a guy that is, is kind of the, more the mid to late round. Josh Garnett's the early to middle round, the, the, the guard also from Stanford. Um, the guy that a lot of Steelers fans hope the Steelers draft early is cornerback Mackenzie Clemson from uh, Mackenzie Alexander. Rather, he went to Clemson. Uh, he's, I think, people are, are thinking is going to be a high first round pick, right? Pretty much right in the Steelers wheelhouse. There's a lot of good corners out there. There's, I know, there's one from Florida State. You know, at the top of my head, that, that the Steelers aren't going to get him unless they draft up. I mean, what a lot of people are saying is that this is one of the the richest uh, uh, secondary classes in a long time. That is perfect for the Steelers. You know, it's funny. You know, when teams win championships, they, they've got to have some luck. Obviously, the Steelers didn't have much of it last year with all their injuries, but this is a situation where I think the Steelers uh, lucked out um, because this is just a draft where they need cornerbacks. They might need a lineman. They need a safety. And this is just a draft that has a, a nice amount of cornerbacks and safeties. You know, they said, again, one of the richest drafts for a secondary in years. So they, I don't think, should have to move up to take Alexander. Another guy that did really well, um, the Steelers have not been reportedly interested in him. They haven't met with him. They've met with all the players I'm talking about. They also met with Boise State safety Darian Thompson. That's a guy to remember, too, because the Steelers earlier in the week came out and said that they probably will let Will Allen walk. I need to correct myself. ESPN... Uh, Jeremy Fowler, he reports the Steelers are probably letting Will Allen go. Jeremy Fowler covers the Steelers for ESPN, so I would consider him a pretty credible source uh, in terms of um, what's going on within the Steelers' walls uh, in Pittsburgh. So with Allen being gone, um, he's unrestricted free agent. The Steelers potentially might pick up Thompson or another safety. Um, but another guy that, that I want to talk about is Eli Apple had a very impressive combine. He ran a 44 in the 40, which was one of the better times for a cornerback or just in general a player in the draft. Had a nice one-handed interception during a drill where the players pretty much have to run backwards and pretty much just have to, you know, figure out where the ball is in the air, just like they would during the game. You know, it's not a drill where 
you know, okay, you're doing an out route, so here's where the ball is going to come, or here's an in route, or here's a slant. They're pretty much just running, following a player. With Anybody that plays football probably did this drill. But he's doing it, you know, 30, 40 yards down the field trying to catch a pass from someone that he's never caught a pass uh, from before. So uh, I think with, with, with Eli, I think the one issue is his size, uh, people. He's not a very big guy. He's wiry. He's lanky. He's not very like thick and strong. Like Antoine Blake is a is a big kind of physical cornerback. Even though Steeler fans don't really like him, but uh, he's a big guy. I would say for safety, not necessarily height, but but width with girth. Uh, Apple is not that. Um, the Steelers, have, you know, obviously like OSU players. Uh, you know, they went with Deron Grant, the past draft, the cornerback. Uh, I would say it's early to tell whether or not he's going to pay off. He certainly didn't have a good early uh, first rookie season with the Steelers. Um, but that's just another player uh, that I kind of want to throw out there for you to think about because it's not like if the Steelers lose out on Alexander, who obviously they're interested in, um, will probably be the best player available if he is available that late in the draft um, because there's going to be other quarterbacks that go. Um, it's not like they're going to be out of options. They're definitely going to go, you know, Apple might be around at that point, even though his stock has improved after his combine. And the Steelers also might go safety. I mean, the one thing about Kevin Colbert is, I mean, they drafted, what, three, four uh, linebackers in the first round consecutively. You know, you look at, like, uh, you know, Jarvis Jones and Bud Dupree and, you know, some of the more recent seasons we've gone linebacker. Um, you know, he'll always say, Kevin Colbert will always say, you know, I'm going with best player, best player available. That doesn't mean they're going to get a guard in the first round. They're definitely going to go cornerback safety. I don't think there's any way around that. But, you know, let's say McKenzie's off the board, but there's a really good safety that's standing there. They're going to take him. Just because I would say, because they're again, they're going to go for best player, and then they'll they'll draft accordingly. So I, I think that's one thing to remember. There are there are very good players that come out later in the draft. You know, they just they, they just fell in the cracks for whatever reason in college, whether it was a bad forty timer, you know, there were character questions or GPA issues or or just a, you know a late bloomer like Ben Roethlisberger was. There, guys fall in the draft for various reasons. I mean, Martavis Bryant. Again, I know we're talking about receivers, not not you know cornerbacks and and uh, safeties. But Bryant was a guy that the GPA wasn't good. Uh, people thought he was raw, maybe a little immature. He was, what, 21, 22 when he came out in the draft. But, uh, you know, he's had those issues in the pros. But, again, he's also had productivity, and I would say that was a good draft pick because that was a fourth-round pick. His teammate, Sammy Watkins, was picked in the first round. The Bills paid a lot more money for him, and I would say so far they're both a toss-up. I would probably argue that, that, that Bryant's had a better you know, start of his career. He's already been in the playoffs. He's had touchdowns in the playoffs. He's been a monster in the playoffs. Uh, Watkins hasn't had his opportunities, and, and he's had more injuries than Bryant's had to deal with. So just a few things to think about. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at the draft, I would say in terms of what the Steelers are going to draft, one through three, actually I'll go one through four, I think they're going to go, you know, cornerback first round, safety second round, guard in the third round. Because, again, I, just, I think they're going to part with Foster. Um, and then, you know, for the fourth pick – you know, it could be a linebacker because the Steelers are always looking for, you know, for good linebackers. Um, but it just depends. I think by the fourth round, uh, you're going to go best player available at, at the best position, you know, w- whatever that is. But I, the Steelers always like to have a bevy of linebackers. They definitely might look at somebody uh, that's going to cover, <clears throat> do a better job maybe covering the tight ends. The Steelers are better covering the tight ends. And I saw one of the comments uh, on our Facebook page today that, that I really liked, and the guy said, I'm tired of, the, of everybody saying the Steelers can't guard tight ends. They have the same issue guarding tight ends as the rest of us, meaning that we struggle against the elite tight ends too. Kronkowski, Pfeiffer for Cincinnati. 
But the issue is with, with that comment, as much as I liked it, the Steelers can't settle with allowing great tight ends to beat us, especially when one of them plays in our division. And Max Williams for the Ravens, you know, he could be coming. Who knows? Joe Flacco was injured last year. He, they didn't build much of a rapport. They could build a rapport next year. You, you don't want to go into a season saying, well, we can't cover a tight end. Well, that's just how it is. The Steelers have to get better guarding a tight end. They have to get better uh, guarding the middle of the field. That's why they lost to the Ravens in in, uh, in week uh, 16. The Steelers had a much better season down the stretch, especially on defense. Well, it's not sugarcoated. it. Ryan Mallett threw for almost 300 yards against this defense. Uh, Peyton Manning uh, had his best game in the playoffs, arguably, against this defense. Uh, the Steelers allowed uh, a backup quarterback for the Bengals to, to take the lead against them late in the game. They played much better, but they still have some, some bad holes in that secondary that they have to get shored up. And, you know, I, I don't really want them to draft any more linebackers. They have other things they need to address. I think uh, nose tackle, I would honestly say probably nose tackle four, you know, after guard, safety, and cornerback. But the Steelers just need to find a linebacker maybe later in the draft that you take a chance on and say, listen, you know, maybe we get a guy that, that's just athletic, guard, uh, down the field. As good as Lawrence Timmons is, he was isolated way too much with tight ends receivers last year. You know, that guy just needs to be the tackling machine, the James Ferrier type uh, that he normally is. But, but again, and, and some of that was just, you know, the, the, the opposing coaches won their matchup with the Steelers. And Harrison, or I'm sorry, Timmons wasn't supposed to be guarding the tight end. That's just the defense formation the Steelers are in. And based on what the other teams saw, they attacked uh, Timmons. Timmons is a very good player. He's not very good in coverage. And that's one thing the Steelers could work on. Uh, I know uh, Shazier is very good in coverage. And some people thought that they may move him to safety. They're not going to do that. Uh, Shazier uh, greatly improved last season. He really wasn't bad his rookie season. He just went through the injury bug. And he went through an injury bug again this year. The knock on him is health. But, you know, I think, you know, Doing what he did last year, intercepting Brock Osweiler, which was a key interception in the Week 15 win over Denver, this guy's shown enough where he could be that guy in the secondary. Maybe the Steelers don't spend a draft pick, and maybe they just trust him to eventually take over as the guy to guard receivers and tight ends down the middle of the field. Again, this is the Morning Steelers podcast with Brian Giardo. Another topic or two before we uh, end this uh, this show. The NFL actually... Uh, instituted a new rule. Well, we'll look into instituting uh, a new rule here in uh, the upcoming, uh, maybe for the upcoming season. It's, I'm sorry here, just trying to find the article for you. It's about the chop blocking, and they're going to look into a rule which may eliminate chop blocking in general from the NFL. If you don't aren't sure what, what a chop block is, that's when a, uh, a lineman or a running back or whoever uh, pretty much just takes out someone's knee. It's, it's, it's just, it's a low block something that, that Cardinals coach Bruce Arian said uh, a couple of years ago when he saw his player uh, suffer a bad injury uh, during the uh, chop block. He said it's one of the, it's the dirtiest plays ever seen in football, and, you know, chop blocks should be outlawed. And really they've done a good job. I mean, running backs can't chop block now. And large, they, they've done a good job eliminating the chop block from a normal play in football. They want to institute another rule um, that completely, pretty much completely eliminates chop blocking. Um, because, again, in large, you're going to get called for it. And there's, there are some situations where chop blocking uh, is still allowed in football. Um, but who knows? You know, it, it, it's just one of those things. It, it's it's kind of controversial just from this reason. And it, it kind of goes back to all the head injuries. And, you know, where football is now with the concussion movie and with all that stuff going on and how 
you know, players now are coming out and talking about their CTE after retirement or their head injuries and, and whatnot. I mean, if you watch the Bears 30 for 30 documentary, you saw Jim McMahon talk about it at length. Uh, it, it's a very sad thing, but it's also a very real thing. And the NFL has taken measures to try to protect their players. The issue is it's the whole thing that goes back to the integrity of the game. You know, if you watch a, a game from the 70s when the Steelers are at their heyday, you watch a game now, how many games would be changed because what, how the Steelers hit back then or other teams hit back then, it wouldn't be allowed to. You know, even look at James Harrison, the way he was hitting seven, eight years ago. He's not hitting that way today. The 90s and, and Greg Lloyd, I mean, even it kind of started back then where he was getting fined and whatnot for hits that he made. I remember a hit on Marino and then Brett Favre that he suffered fines and whatnot. But, you know, that's definitely taken something out of the game. Uh, you know, late hits, uh, you know, which are never allowed. I mean, you see that very rarely now because players know that the fines and the penalties are coming. Uh, blows to the head. Unfortunately, Burford, that didn't stop him from hitting uh, Antonio, even though he knew he was probably facing a suspension, fine, whatnot. Um, there's more rules being in place to protect the players. Yes, that means that, that some physical things uh, about football that we love, those big hits and whatnot, those will be taken out of football. However, if players start to do that now and learn how to hit hard without crossing that line, football can still be a physical sport. I think we saw a few years ago when the transition was really happening, football did not look good. It looked like a video game. Players were not coming with the same tenacity. I think what the Steelers learned, I think what other teams have learned uh, that are still successful and still play good defense like Denver, you can play very good defense but still play within the new lines of the rules of the NFL. You can still play physical. You can still play hard. You can still hit hard. I mean, you look at the Denver Steelers game in the playoffs when they played, that's exactly the type of game that the NFL wants to see. When those teams played in week 15, it was chippy on both sides. Uh, the Steelers center, Cody Wallace, had a late hit Malik, uh, on Malik Jackson. No, it wasn't Malik Jackson. It was a cornerback for Denver or a secondary player, but it was Malik Jackson who had a cheap shot on Antonio Brown just before that. That stuff doesn't belong in today's game. A few years ago, that stuff would have happened and nothing would have happened. Maybe a flag on Wallace, but probably not. Now, those things are getting eradicated. You're not seeing that as much anymore. And the NFL wants to see the product that Denver and Pittsburgh put on the field during their playoff game. A very hard-fought game. There wasn't a single dirty play in that game. I mean, maybe there was that we all missed. But in large, that was the cleanest playoff game you'll ever see. That was still played well, uh, in large, good defense on both sides. That was a good football game. But I think the fear with, with the chop blocking stuff is that now players won't even try to tackle you know, low anymore. Because when you eliminate the head, which they should have, and you, <clears throat> you, pardon me, you eliminate the knees and blow, which you should, now you're only leaving just above the knee, and you know, you're leaving pretty much just, just the midsection exposed to tackle. And that's, that's where football wants to go. Is, is, you know, I mean, it started again even 10 years ago. Now you can't horse collar now. Pretty much anything with the, above the shoulders, you cannot do anymore. Even blocking, illegal hands to the face, you can't do that stuff. Now they pretty much want to get rid of any hits below the knee. So if you hit someone in the leg, it's going to be a penalty. It's just how it is. Some people don't like that. But the NFL now, uh, and people can blame the NFL. I mean, yeah, they were late to the party with concussion. I think they'd be the first ones to say it. And, uh, you know, the movie Concussion, if you saw it, it greatly uh, uh, touches on that, that they dropped the ball there for sure. But the NFL now, they're, they're, they are trying to make up for it. 
you know, and, and people can hate on Goodell all he wants, but they are making strides towards protecting uh, the safety of the players. I mean, you know, and, and there's some things that you just can't protect. I mean, Le'Veon Bell's torn uh, MCL. I mean, that was a tackle that, that there was no hit on on his MCL. It just happened. Um, you can you can argue not whether a perfect hit was delivered with, with, with any type of malice or not. I mean, I'm not here. I, we've already done that on this show. We might do it again in the future, but, you know, it, it was one of those tackles where there was nothing involved with his knee. But, you know, maybe you can live with that uh, if you eradicate all the other hits to someone's knee. So I just think going forward, you're going to see more of these rules. And, yes, it might take a little bit for uh, – and the game might initially take some steps backwards in terms of intensity, and there will be players that get flagged for, for things they wouldn't have gotten flagged for in the past with regard to low hits to the knees or whatnot. Um, but that's just part of football today, and that's where uh, the game is heading. And, uh, again, in a few more years from now, the, the players will adjust because coaching will adapt. And now players – I mean, players growing up now, their head, or using their head as a weapon. They're not being coached to hit low. They're being coached to hit in the midsection, uh, you know, pretty much like above the knees, right up to right below the shoulders. That whole area of a human's body is, for now at least, that's fair game. You can hit anywhere up there. Um, and so once the players uh, and the generations come by, this will be uh, not a big deal. Um, I guess the last thing, a couple of quick pointers. Daniel Williams in Egypt right now, uh, he's doing uh, kind of a, a – a, same with 10 other players where they're doing a camp over there in Egypt to kind of bring awareness to the game of football for people that normally wouldn't be exposed to them. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the Steelers are talking to several quarterbacks. I know they talked to USC's Cody Kessler not long ago, talked to uh, Oregon's quarterback uh, yesterday. So the Steelers are definitely looking for another quarterback, not looking for the next Ben Roethlisberger. That's something that Kevin Colbert said um, during his exit interviews of the 2015 season. He's definitely not going to uh, look for Big Ben's replacement. Whoever they do want an upgrade at that position. They do want uh, uh, another quarterback. I mean, that's the thing that the Steelers didn't have last year. I mean, when you look at the Bengals situation, they had a quarterback that came in, won a couple games, and got them close to a playoff victory. The Steelers uh, and A.J. McCarron, there's no way the Steelers had that last year. Landry Jones had <clears throat> he had one nice game against the Cardinals. He was not able to duplicate that uh, during the rest of the season. Uh, he really struggled. The Chiefs game, you know, but some of that, too, I'm going to put on the coaching because they had him doing things that a normal backup quarterback wouldn't do. He was throwing deep. He was throwing in the sea. He was throwing deep on the sidelines. Uh, Michael Vick never gained a rapport with Antonio uh, Brown. That might not all be on him because he joined the, uh, you know, he joined the game real late in the season. So uh, then you've got Bruce Krakowski, who I think is, is the best choice to keep. But the issue with Bruce is, I mean, he's coming off an injury. He's in his, uh, I want to say he's 32, 33 years old. So, in terms of age. But, again, why do you need a, a, a young backup quarterback? You're not looking for Ben's heir apparent. I would say if I was the Steelers, you draft a young quarterback uh, and you, you, you get rid of Vic, you get rid of Landry, and you play Bruce. The issue with Landry is that I don't think a lot of people realize it. He's very viable to the team in terms of the preseason. Preseasons are long. Last year it was five games. So you need a quarterback that knows the system, isn't trying to get any glory for himself, and can work with the receivers and work within the offense. Landry Jones has been with the team three, four years. I mean, he knows that offense like the back of his hand. So he can come in and orchestrate the offense and can give, I think, the coaching staff, you know, good, tangible uh, advice on how the players are doing or feedback. Oh, this running back does this well. Oh, this receiver does this well. That's things that, that people might not necessarily see. So I actually see the Steelers keeping Landry Jones. I don't know anything on the inside with this, but, 
I just think based on what he can give them and based on his knowledge of the offense, and that he can be their backup for the foreseeable future. I mean, this is not a guy with, I don't think with starting dreams in his mind. I mean, I think he's happy where he is, and he, and he kind of knows his uh, his you know place in the NFL, so to speak. But uh, that's just one thing to think about uh, as well. In terms of the kickers, Sean Sweeson said earlier this offseason that he wants an open competition with Chris Boswell. Uh, Sweeson, if you remember, he's one of the most accurate kickers in Steelers history, had the uh, injury, uh, ACL injury before uh, the season began after, you know, the Steelers really struggled at kicking the first four games of the season with Josh Scobie. Um, Chris Boswell came in and played great. I mean, I think he was 36-39 kicking field goals, including the postseason. But all three of them once is an opportunity to compete for his job, and uh, the Steelers may or may not give that to him. We're not sure. But thanks again for joining uh, this rundown Steelers morning podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And, again, this will be something we continue to do as the Steelers get closer to the draft and get closer to another season. Once again, signing off for Steelers on 24-7 Sports, this is Brian Diardo. We hope you have a great day, and as always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.